0: I'm just always curious, you know, how do people respond to that initial idea of um, disruption and change and how do we how do people fight and deny the reality that is that already. (laughs) Right. right? Right. It's just fascinating from a kind of a from a change management perspective, from a social psychology, social science perspective. There's a lot of ways to look at it. Realize you got to make decisions without having all the data that you want to have, and and that that you know if that's all you can do, you make a decision. You have limited information, and then you just decide the next thing to do is just go out and start talking to a lot of people, um, and listen very well, and try to ask questions and put them at ease so they can just speak their truth, right and you know, that's been the best thing for me this spring is just getting out and talking with a lot of new people. And it's been very encouraging for me because they're all telling me um, that it's great. What I'm doing is a great idea and they and they see the need for it for sure. So it's just a matter of for me, it's been showing me again, you got to tailor your sales packages to make sure you have some packages that create an easy point of entry right into your larger
1: packages. That's my guest, Gail Stafford, talking about what really is one of the most difficult parts of positioning a consulting business. It's really that it's that nasty combination of having less information than you would like to have and a high-stakes decision. Fold those two together and it's uh, instant anxiety fest. Gail is actually an independent consultant who helps tech startups become exceptional at management. And I wanted to talk to Gail because he is, while technically still in the positioning process, he's, he's at the end of that process. He's chosen a position, and he's really in that late validation, early execution stage of the process. That means he has recently dealt with some issues that are always a big mystery, always a, con- a cause for concern and anxiety. Questions like, how do you properly validate your focus on a particular market segment, How do you prevent fear and doubt from derailing you? How do you get started executing on a new position after you've made that decision? What are the first steps? Gail talks about going through and finding his own answers to all those questions. I'm Philip Morgan. This is the Consulting Pipeline podcast where we talk about building your consulting pipeline through positioning, education-based content marketing, and marketing automation. So Gail, who are you and what do you do?
0: I am Gail Stafford. And I'm a management advisor for tech startups. And I work with people who want to become exceptional in management.
1: Nice. So um, let's dive into that a little bit because I'm interested in, in, in making sure my listeners understand exactly what you do. So when you work with a startup, like what are the kind of challenges you help them with? And what are the kind of results that come out of that that work together?
0: Sure. So, you know, startups can fail for many reasons, but it's usually due to a combination of three. Uh, One, you could have a product no one wants. Uh, Two, you run out of cash. And or three, you have just the wrong team for the project. Uh So I work on number three. I work on helping startup founders and uh, CEOs to assemble and develop their ideal teams. And a lot of that is about hiring. It's about hiring the right people. It's about coaching and developing people on the job, you know, in the work itself. And it's about keeping people engaged and motivated and, and maybe even inspired uh, as as they, you know, build the product with you or build your startup into a real thing. So, right. so that's the focus of mine. I have a lot of experience with IT teams, software teams, uh, over 15 years experience in that, in that mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. But I, I focus more on the management side of, of the hiring, coaching, developing people, and also helping management decide when it's time to let people go, which is a very hard thing, uh, especially for new managers to do the first time.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Marcus is, is helps people with not just people. He helps uh, technical agency, um, owners with the same kind of issue. And from talking to him, it really strikes me that the skill set of managing people is so different than the other things that make for success in the world of software and technology. Is that your experience as well, that you can just be amazing at product vision and executing the building of a product and and a company, but then you're just 10 levels below that when it comes to management?
0: Yeah, that is the normal experience, I think, for everybody that uh, begins their career as a technical professional of some sort who then moves into a management uh, or leadership position. The the normal experience is to be overwhelmed, to feel underqualified and underprepared and to the extreme, to feel really underprepared for mm. for the job of, of of management, right? Right. So it, it is a very different skill set. So that is, you know, the first thing I to tell people is you're you know, you're not alone in feeling that. That's the normal experience that we all went through when we got thrown into that first, you know, management position. And and it's just uh, it's it's only because the, the really the way we learn is through experiential uh, learning on the job and. You can go to courses on management, but until you're actually sitting in the seat, you know, in the driver's seat, right, you know, running an organization or running a team, um, you don't quite know what it's like,
1: right? Yeah, that first time you have to um, correct somebody's uh, behavior or even fire somebody is it, it, there's not much that can prepare you for that, right? Other than doing it and and maybe having somebody to coach you through it.
0: That that's it. You you can. You know, you can take courses that'll take some of the edge off of it, that'll take some of the tension off, probably. Uh hopefully you get some frameworks and, and maybe you get a better vocabulary and some better uh understanding, right, of the psychology behind effective management. Uh mm-hmm. but but really that's been my experience is everybody feels overwhelmed and uh and you start by saying, Hey, that's okay and we all went through that, so that's you know, point number one. Yeah. But a lot of people, in my experience, don't reach out for help, so that's why I think it's important for, especially people in tech startups, to reach out for help. Either reach out to a peer uh, in another company who's in a similar role to yours, or just reach out to someone within uh, your management team mm-hmm. and and you know ask them for advice, right? Or go to an outside. Uh, consultant or coach. So,
1: right,
0: and that's a hard thing to do, especially for, um, you know, for those of us who were, you know, we prided ourselves on great technical skill. We didn't have to go around and ask questions so much. We <laughs> right. were just good at what we did and uh, self-taught learners. A lot of us are self-taught learners in uh, technology. So
1: Yeah. Interesting. So Gail, how did you get started working for yourself?
0: So I have been with University of Illinois for 10 and a half years. Uh, up until just recently, just up until a few months ago, mm-hmm. when I decided that it was time to pursue a dream of mine, which is to support entrepreneurs uh, who are bringing you know new products and services to society that I that I feel are important and that are meaningful and interesting. And so, you know, my dream is to support those entrepreneurs uh, through helping them with world-class management practices. So I, I want to help them create successful startups by helping them with the management side of running a startup and, and growing and scaling the startup. Uh, so that was my intent when I left the university uh, is to do this, this exact thing of uh, working with entrepreneurs. Uh, and that just occurred in the spring. So th- got into it by uh, launching my book and launching my business in March of this year. Uh-huh and uh still very much in the early stages of doing this but that's how I got started.
1: Oh that's cool. So so you had a vision for the type of of uh person and company that you wanted to help. Not just the type of company, but it really sounds like you're focused on the leadership at that company.
0: Yes, and it was and when I when I started it wasn't all clear to me. And, and I think that's, even though right now, when I talk about my business, I have a lot of clarity about who I can best serve back even just a few months back. I still wasn't completely sure that I could in fact, succeed with a consulting firm focused entirely on supporting entrepreneurs And I still, and and we can get into that, of course, today, I still sometimes ask myself and doubt myself and wonder if I should maybe choose a few, you know, other focuses that I could also serve um, different types of businesses besides the tech
1: startups. So what's going on in your, you know, in your mind as you, um, you know, as you think about that niche or that audience? How do you uh, how do you kind of evaluate whether you think it's got enough vitality to support you at least you you know maybe others serving that same audience? Do you look to the competition or how do you you know just how do you make that evaluation?
0: I think that's a, that's an excellent question and that's asking that question and gathering data to either support or you know, or to to sort of fail my hypothesis, you know, test it and fail it? I I think that's a very important question. So I would say the the way I look at it is I look at what do these tech startups pay per month in their salary uh, to their employees. Okay. And if, for example, a tech startup has 10 people and on average, conservatively, we could say, Maybe they're paying on average five thousand to six thousand a month in uh, salary payments to each person. Okay. That's fifty thousand to sixty thousand a month um, being paid out in salary. So, I know from years and years of research in uh, management and strategic HR that people are not put to the, their best use to the best use of their talents and the full use of their capabilities at work. So I know right off the bat that if an organization, even though it's a small tech startup, if they're paying $50,000 a month in uh, salary, Mm -hmm. I know that not all of that is actually fully utilized, so to speak. People are not necessarily um, in the best role for them. They're not necessarily as engaged as they could be. Uh, they're not necessarily as productive, focused, um, or motivated as they could be. And that's just from years of experience as a manager, as a person developing exceptional managers um, at University of Illinois. So, right. I, so I know if I just look at the salary payments that even these small tech startups are making per month, I know there's a something I can do for these startups that will help them optimize the value that those – employees produce for customers. Right. So that's kind of my logic. Uh, Okay.
1: So, so even in a lean scrappy little startup, (laughs) there's a, there's a fair bit of, uh, optimization that, that can happen just in terms of how they are staffing and, (laughs) and so forth. Right.
0: Yeah. Even, even in a lean startup, I would say even in that, because what the research tells us about, uh, employee engagement. There's a lot of research on an employee engagement and it shows a strong relationship between how engaged a person is at work and how, uh, if you look at collectively, how engaged are we collectively right. in what we are doing?
1: Uh-huh. Uh,
0: the relationship between that and the actual profitability of the company, even if it's a small one, if, even if it's a big one, the relationship's strong. So I, I've got a lot of data to back up that uh, that hypothesis or that assumption that even a lean startup with just, yeah, scrappy little startup, 10 people, even they can benefit from having um, good management practices that keep people engaged and focused and feeling committed. And, and so another part of the reason why I'm excited about serving tech startups is the capability uh, – for startups to reduce turnover is 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 huge. So if, if startups can learn a way to increase the feeling of commitment or loyalty to the startup and to stick with it, even when things get unstable or very stressful or they feel overworked, um, you know, that that's a great problem to solve for a tech startup, right? So if you can show them a way to reduce turnover. Right. Create a, create a strong bond between the people and, and the you know, the management team. That's a great thing. So and that actually impacts the profitability of the startup because turnover is, is one of the most expensive things that can happen for a startup, especially if you have a bunch of people that all leave at once due to job stress and so forth.
1: Yeah. Right. So you have you have an, an audience you've identified or, you know, a very specific segment of a market. And they have a problem that you can help with, right? I know one of the stages in the, the buying process is awareness. There's kind of a pre-awareness stage where you don't, you're not even aware you have a problem that could be solved. And then the next stage, usually in the buying process, at least for professional services, is you become aware there's a problem and you start doing research. So how do you, uh, I'm, I guess I'm playing a little bit devil's advocate here. How do you know that, there's enough startups or enough people within this segment you're trying to serve that have that awareness. I'm curious how you, you know, kind of solved that question for yourself as a part of choosing a focus.
0: I would say the, the best indicator and the best validator has just been a lot of casual conversations with people uh, one-on-one who run a small startup Uh and who I find in in these one on one conversations that are they're you know very relaxed then people open up mm. and they they admit that they're n- unhappy with uh-huh. um their personal ability to retain people and make people feel a sense of bond or loyalty or commitment uh and they and so, and another thing I hear is that and I was talking with someone just this week about. How he watches the news, um, and different discussion forums for comments that other, you know, other tech startup founders and executives make um, about, oh, how hard it is to keep these uh, millennials engaged and, um, you know, loyal to the organization. So mm-hmm. if they do all of a sudden, if if five key people just up and leave one day. Right. Uh, the comment that was made by this CTO at a fairly young startup was, "It was, it was a case of millennial fickleness,"
1: <laughs> right.
0: meaning meaning that it wasn't any fault of the management. They they were completely, you know, not at fault. It was just some strange attribute of this generation. Okay. And 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 that tells me that a lot of tech startup people may be making a story that absolves them of any responsibility. Uh Uh, And that's the story they tell to the general public. But when you talk privately, uh, you know, in a relaxed setting, then you kind of hear the truth that, wow, maybe I actually caused, I actually did something to the relationship that made these people not want to work with me anymore.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay.
0: So, so the research shows people generally leave because of dissatisfaction with uh, their manager, mm-hmm. um, or with dissatisfaction with just the, the company's uh, vision, and kind of the, the senior management, so to speak. In uh, a startup, it's so small; it's all one thing, right? So yeah.
1: Um,
0: so that's you know, I, I know that it's it's easy for people to tell up the story to the public that says uh, this they wanted to leave for whatever reason. And it wasn't due to the fact that we just had very poor management. Um, So, so I I think this gets to where it is a little bit hard to validate,
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: you know, you're asking good questions and honestly, it's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough because people don't want to admit that maybe they caused, um, they're causing turnover and maybe they're part of the problem that they blame others for. Right.
1: Right. You know, with all the study you've done of psychology, I'm sure you're aware that, you know, people when when someone has a problem they're ashamed to admit it does complicate helping them with that problem right it's it's you know the same thing that if people who are struggling with addiction go through and that sort of thing not that it's on that exact yeah. level but when there's shame involved everything gets harder
0: yeah and that's i'm i'm finding that this the sales process is it t- it does take quite a bit of uh, sensitivity um, mm-hmm. compared to say selling um, development services. Uh, you know, right. when you're selling services that address really really human issues of uh, you know hiring, firing, uh, and, and so forth. Um, you know, it's kind of high stakes stuff, right? So
1: right. this
0: is, and I'm still learning that. And I'm learning just partner with people that know more. Than I do, and partner with people that have more experience um, talking with uh, prospects and and doing that initial consultation, right, to, mm-hmm. to build a, a business case for why this uh, why this would help. So, still very new to all this. I, I don't want to sound like I I know th- that much because I'm still very much a beginner.
1: Right, but what I guess the reason I wanted to talk to you and what was was so interesting to me was that from the very get go, you were more willing, I, th- I think, than a lot of your uh, contemporaries, perhaps, to choose something specific, you know, that specific audience, that specific problem. I mean, startups have, you know, 100 problems. And, um, you know, uh, retaining people is just one of those problems. Uh, and I know that you help with more than just retention. But, um, but what made it feel like, you know, that was that was worth doing? Did you uh, did you see something in your previous experience that uh, made you choose not to take a more general approach. I'm kind of curious what your thinking was around that.
0: I would, I, I would say, my past experience with attempting to sell consulting services, uh, it, I was doing that more on the side while I had a full time job during the day, right. And past experience showed me. When I thought I could help anybody in any type of company, um, or at least if I thought I I could help a wide range of companies, such as higher ed IT organizations, such as large IT organizations in a nonprofit, and tech startups, and other categories, when I had all these options in front of me, I found a little bit paralyzed in my ability to actually go out and market myself. Oh. So, so that was, I think the huge breakthrough when, you know, starting, when I started talking with you, the breakthrough I had was that if you get specific about who you can best serve and who you're most passionate about serving, if you get very specific and narrow down the options, it then makes a lot of things easier. And then I can get into more detail on that and, and, uh, another thing I'll add here is that I chose, partly I chose tech stars because I knew from the data on management and organizational performance and team performance that the leadership matters and that the highest performing teams um, have certain conditions that cause them to, to become high performing. Right. And, I knew that had to be true for startups as well as um, true for teams inside any, you know, company of any size. Right. And so that's why I've decided to, you know, focus on stars because I've long been passionate about entrepreneurship and I've gone to many startup events. And I figured if, you know, life is short, why not just hang around the people that I most want to be with and find a way to serve them and right. create value for their business.
1: That's interesting. So what did, what did you find when you took a more focused approach? Yeah, I know from other conversations we've had that you have, um, you know, like tested out trial versions of a positioning by, uh, say, going to a meetup and talking to people. What, what does that, how does that go? And, you know, what do you look for? to, to get in terms of feedback that tells you you're on the right path. So
0: I look for people to, um, kind of light up. Uh, so they kind of light up and in, in recognition of, Oh, wow, that, that is a problem that we, we all have in tech startups. So when I talk about things like, um, hiring, um, uh, keeping people, uh, motivated and or focused and keeping and retaining people, um, mm-hmm. uh, I would just, I kept getting a lot of the same responses of, uh, number one that, while wow, Yeah. There's a lot of really poor managers, um, who are first time managers who they're, they're just not good at it just cause they don't know any better. No one's ever shown them how to manage effectively. And, uh, so I, I just had a lot of very similar responses to, to that, you know, position I, I took, uh, you know that—that's what I kept hearing. You know, over and over that, yeah, it's a problem. And I also got the specific feedback that, you know, you just have to find a way to make certain packages small enough that it can be an easy point of entry to your larger packages. Uh-huh. So that was uh, one takeaway from a lot of those early conversations: is just make sure you find a way to create a low-priced. Entry or starter package that allows them to, to get to know you and see how you work and um, achieve a, some small win right
1: right what um, okay what what marketing approach or channel uh, has given you the best results thus far because you're you're pretty early on in tackling this new business and this new focus. Where have you kind of gotten the most traction?
0: I would say. Through existing relationships and in particular through, you know, going to people that I have already uh, been in touch with over the past few years, that's, right. that's been quite helpful and, and for sure one of the most important things, you know, for anybody to do is to, even while, you know, when you have a day job, a full-time commitment to a day job, uh, make sure that you're, you know, cultivating relationships, uh, outside of that, that mm. company or organization, right. uh, that served me well because I've been, you know, growing a network across, um, the Midwest and the West coast for, for years now. Right. Uh, and so, so that's number one. I think that's the best place to start. Uh, and secondarily, I was able to, because I had chosen a specific niche, uh, I was able to easily identify people to partner with, to do uh, a joint venture with. So, I found an an executive coach who also um, has an interest in serving among other uh, clients tech startups and, Uh and founders, CEOs of tech startups. So, it was easier because I had chosen the niche and gotten specific about who I serve. Right. it's much easier to say oh we have a par- partnership opportunity we should talk and let's and, and now you know as a result of that we've been talking uh, you know several hours a week now for the past couple of weeks
1: oh that's interesting so yep. you kind of you get in a little faster in that situation because you share that in common right that common focus
0: exactly and that that was that was one of those moments, uh, when I said, you know, gosh, I'm really glad I made that choice to get specific about who I serve. Uh, and now I would say another benefit is just things, a lot of things got easier when I was focused, you know, including, um, it was easier to write marketing copy. It was easier to write, uh, articles, you know, right. And, you know, that I post to like LinkedIn, I post, that's another marketing channel I'm using. It's just posting um, interesting articles to LinkedIn. And uh, another interesting channel, uh, if you want to call it a channel, is just meetups. I go to tech meetups here in San Francisco and the East Bay. And that's been great, you know, just to to meet people and validate some of my um, ideas, right, around what tech startups need to effectively grow and scale.
1: I've got two questions for you. Um, one of them uh, I'll ask in a second. You, you said there have been these this moments when you, you're really happy you chose a focus. And I want to know if there have been any moments when you were not happy that you chose a focus or you you said, uh, I've made a mistake. But before that, you mentioned that you've been developing a network for some time now. And I'm really curious if after that point when you said, okay, I'm going to focus on this you know, this audience, this problem. And and then you articulated that to your network, I assume at some point you said, hey, I have a, a new focus or uh, something of that nature. Did people say, why did you change? Or did you get any kind of pushback or questioning from those people who now, I guess, saw you in a different light?
0: Most people, because this was a brand new thing that I, I just started, uh, most people thought, hey, you made a Good decision. Uh, in okay. a few cases, yes. In a few cases, I got some pushback, and uh, and it was definitely a test of my uh, commitment and my my belief, confidence in myself, right to mm-hmm. to to adapt and serve the needs of you know a much smaller, faster moving uh, micro company that, that a startup is. So, right. I, yeah, there were moments where where uh, I doubted myself. Right. And I said, you know, have I, have I done the wrong thing? And, right. and, you know, and, and I kind of feel a momentary state of panic and right. fear, right. just kind of creeps over you. And uh, yeah, there were moments like that. It did it happen for me.
1: I talked to a lot of people about this. I think it happens to everybody. What uh, I mean, did you just kind of ride those out and say, well, you know, we'll see if tomorrow looks any better or um, you know, how did, how did you deal with that?
0: Yeah. I, You know, for me, it was about letting the uh, fear come up, be aware of it, and in a sense, try to examine what's behind it. Uh, And I couldn't see much of a rationale behind it. Mm -hmm. It it was just – to me, it was just fear and there wasn't much of a a reason. It's just this panic of when we change a lot of things – you know, part of us fights back at change, right? So right. I yeah, just, I was aware I was feeling it, but, you know, you know I said, I'm not going to dwell on it. And in fact, I want to make sure I, you know, get back to my program and work the program. So th- that was, that helped me to refocus on, okay, who is it again that um, is out there today that probably needs my help that doesn't yet know me? Uh, that needs to know about me and how can I find that person or those persons? and And so you know, you can use the fear in a sense you can kind of use that energy to uh, create more sharpness and alertness and maybe maybe create a bit more quickness to the way you operate. So I actually I use those moments to actually kind of kick myself in the butt and, and move a bit faster to reach out and you know go to more meetups and get out and talk to more people and make sure I'm validating my ideas better
1: that's great light lighten a fire under yourself <laughs> fueled by the fear
0: yeah that's because great. yeah i think fear you know any emotion you can make it serve you and and turn it into somewhat of an advantage uh, if 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 you intend to so that i think part of that's part of a success factor in any, you know, career, especially those of us who are doing something uh, that's more risky, right? Going out on your your own can seem pretty risky compared to the safety, the feeling, the relative feeling of safety, of being a large organization with a steady paycheck every month. So that was another time this year when I just said, Oh oh crap, what have I gotten myself myself (laughs) into, right? When I said, I'm not getting that monthly paycheck anymore. um, And it's all on me to go out and, get, get business. And
1: right. Yeah. So if you were going to counsel yourself from um, earlier this year, when you, when you, st- or maybe even six months ago, when you were still considering this transition, maybe had not done it, what, what would you tell yourself from six months ago to make sure to do in order to kind of smooth the way or, or make progress more quickly or just, you know, make it go better? What would you, what advice would you give yourself?
0: I would tell myself to be more decisive and be more fearless. Uh, meaning that just decide on something, decide on a segment of the world and a segment of an industry that you want to serve, and once you've made that decision, you know, move quickly and go out quickly and try to validate your ideas about. What are the painful, expensive problems to solve for for that you know segment of that industry? Uh, you know, that's what I would tell myself is to realize you got to make decisions without having all the data that you want to have, mm-hmm. and and that that you know if that's all you can do. You make a decision, you have limited information, and then you just decide the next thing to do is just go out and start talking to a lot of people um, and listen very well and try to ask questions and put them at ease so they can just speak their truth. Right. And, you know, that's been the best thing for me this spring is just getting out and talking with a lot of new people. And it's been very encouraging for me because they're all telling me um, that it's great. What I'm doing is a great idea and they, and they see the need for it. For sure. So it's just a matter of, for me, it's been showing me again, you got to tailor your sales packages to make sure you have some packages that create an easy point of entry, right, into your larger packages. Right.
1: Super. I love that advice, personally. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, so Gail, how can listeners find out more about you?
0: Best way is go to my website. So it's Stafford dot com. Another way is check out my book Talent Formula, which is on Amazon. So it's a new book just came out in March. It's available Kindle and print edition. Okay. And I also have a new Talent Formula podcast coming out this month. So uh, anybody can just look me up on Google. You can type Gail Stafford Talent Formula, and then you'll, you know, you'll, you'll find me there. And you can uh, you know, check out my website, uh, blog, podcast, and find my book on Amazon.
1: Fantastic. Gail, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today.
0: It's my pleasure. Thank you, Philip.
1: That's it for this episode of the Consulting Pipeline Podcast. Thanks again to my guest, Gail Stafford. Again, you can find Gail online at gailstafford.com. That's G-A-L-E-S-T-A-F-F-O-R-D.com. And his book, The Talent Formula, is available on Amazon.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast at consultingpipelinepodcast.com. I'm Philip Morgan, and I hope to see you again next time.